he was losing. The soldiers he'd made had been imprisoned, and the tribe was coming for him next. The victory that he'd foreseen was never to come, and it had shaken him to the core. After all, he was the first warrior in the universe to ever exist. A warrior that would define all other warriors, and victory in battle defined all that he was and would ever be. Without it, his very existence meant nothing. He'd tear his sister's creation down before that happened. All of it swept away into an abyss of nothingness. The victory that he'd savored would have been sweet, but the bitterness of destruction could be even sweeter, at least in Seth's mind. So, he reached deep down into his core moments before he was captured and pulled out Apophis, the destroyer. It was the part of him that had no discipline, the part that would obliterate all that it came into contact with until all that his sister had made was unmade. But the moment the tribe had captured him and stripped him of all his power, Apophis the Destroyer turned to dust. The Destroyer destroyed until Seth's escape and what was unmade was made whole once again. The darkness lifted and Safina was pure consciousness hovering far above the ocean. The prison looked so different from up here, so beautiful, but it also felt so odd not to have arms or legs, to be just eyes fixed on the calm waters below. How would it be to stay like this forever? No wonder Fatima wanted to see what it was like to have a body. I mean, it wasn't like she could just walk off the job if she got bored and do something else. She was stuck. And then another thought creeped into Safina's mind. What if Anaya had messed it all up? What if she was stuck like this forever? Elder warriors weren't perfect. I mean, look at Jima. She may have been the greatest warrior to ever walk the planet, but look how close she came to losing Wusa to Auk. She should have been more prepared, but she wasn't. Then, Safina heard a voice, and from the sound of it, whoever was talking had to be smiling. It's true, it said. I'm far from perfect, but you're not stuck. The voice belonged to Anaya, and Safina instantly regretted everything she'd been thinking. She had no idea that those thoughts could be heard. But, of course, it made sense. What was Fatima but pure thought, and when she'd think those thoughts, they could be heard too. Safina wondered if it was even ever going to be possible to have a private thought again. 
the elder warrior then assured her that while it was true that her thoughts now had a voice, it didn't have to be broadcast to others if she didn't want it to be. Safina couldn't just shut her mouth anymore, though, because she didn't have one. But you could imagine a barrier around you, Anaya said. Imagine it. Safina did. Then Anaya said, try it again. Safina thought about how horrible it would be not to feel the warmth of a spring day or the first chill of winter. Then she asked Anaya if she'd heard her, and there was no response. Oh, she thought. Then she imagined the barrier disappearing and asked Anaya if she could hear her now. Yes, she could. It'll take time, Anaya said, to get used to the idea that you don't have a body anymore. Being pure consciousness means that everything is based on the power of thought. Then Anaya asked, you want to move? Of course she wanted to move. She'd only just started seeing things from this one perspective and it was already driving her crazy. If you want to move, Anaya said, think it. It's that simple. Hmm. Think it. Like, I want to be closer to the water, she thought, and literally, a split second after that thought, her surroundings blurred, and that blur formed a tunnel. Then Safina felt herself in motion, and the raw speed of it was like nothing she'd ever felt. Perhaps this was the speed at which thoughts moved. And suddenly she was hovering just over her body. She'd just left it a short time ago. Seeing it like this was just too strange for words. And she noted in that moment that the feeling of dread she'd had about being stuck was suddenly gone. In that single movement, she began to feel a sense of freedom that she'd never felt before. Safina formed another thought and was suddenly hovering over a familiar island where the tiniest soldier I'd ever faced had thrown me into the water. That soldier was thankfully resting on the sand. Another thought and suddenly Safina's consciousness was underwater near the giant octopus that guarded the prison. It was sleeping. Oh, it was all so simple, Safina thought, and suddenly she was back, above it all once again. Simple and actually fun. Anaya warned her not to get too used to it, though. The split was happening in that very moment, and once that new being was fully formed, Safina would open her eyes back in bed again. Well, until then... She could explore the prison in ways that she could never have imagined. After the earth shook, I felt a bitter cold inside my chest as sharp as a blade. I opened my eyes and everything was spinning. I had to breathe. And with each breath, the spinning slowed until everything was still once again. It had been a couple of days feeling like this. Ever since my first solo flight, 
when I'd learned that Naoi and O had been avoiding me in order to get me going in the shadow armor. I wondered if this was some kind of side effect of using the armor that O hadn't ever told me about. I honestly wouldn't have been surprised if it was. My fear, since the first time I'd felt it around me, was that as cool as the powers were that came with it, there had to be some things that weren't as cool, like side effects. Wasn't sure if that's what was happening to me, but I knew I was going to need to talk to O about it, which I wasn't looking forward to. And finally, Friday. End of classes, and I still hadn't told him. Hadn't told Naoi either, and I'd been wanting to tell her since it started happening, but no, it wasn't her problem. I needed to man up, that's it. Man up and figure it out. Anyway, I had to put it out of my head because we were dealing with something that was really, really important. The Leia situation had taken up our lunch period for the last couple of days, which now always included O, and Naoi had finally revealed her plan. It was simple. Between periods, I spotted Leia surrounded as usual. It required me to squeeze in, and after getting pushed, trampled, and squashed, I somehow inched close enough to whisper, seven o'clock tonight, football game. She'd feel safe there, was what Naoi said the day before at lunch as I munched down on my usual peanut butter and tuna sandwich. It was public, lots of people, and she wouldn't be seen because the people that followed her weren't the kind of people that had school spirit and went to football games. It was perfect, and Leia had agreed to meet up. The football field was bigger than I expected, and for a team that was dead last, the Sunset Falcons drew a pretty big crowd. As me and Naoi walked up, I noticed that the bleachers were packed. Admittedly, most of the people I saw were either locked in on their own phones or each other. Nobody was paying much attention to the game. It was a place to see or be seen. That's it. We searched the faces, many screaming at the top of their lungs, but weren't able to see Leia. Maybe she wouldn't show up. Then I began scanning the visitor bleachers and sitting at the very top, was somebody wearing a giant pink sun hat with a wide brim. Their eyes weren't visible, but there was only one person I knew that would wear a hat like that to a football game. I pointed toward the hat and Naoi smiled. We headed over and as we both climbed the bleachers, Leia's hand motioned for us to stop, then motioned for me and only me to come closer. I looked at Naoi and she nodded for me to go ahead. I moved up and sat down next to Leia who lifted the brim of her hat. The moment I saw her eyes, I could see that she was, well, terrified. She pulled out her phone and showed me that 911 was typed in and all she had to do was press send. Then she said, tell her whatever she is. She's human, right? 
She glanced toward Naoi, then said, Probably not. But tell her that if she turns into a slimy alien creature, or if her eyes start glowing, that I'll have SWAT down here in two minutes. According to Leia, not only did she know people on SWAT, but in the FBI, CIA, NSA, and a secret organization within the government that hunted monsters. Go ahead, Leia said. Tell her. I stepped down a couple of rows and just looked at Naoi, smiling. She asked me what I was smiling about, and I, I just shook my head. What Leia had said sounded so ridiculous that I just couldn't bring myself to repeat it. Instead, I asked how the other part to her plan was going. Naoi took a quick look around and shook her head. Then, with an expression of grave seriousness, or as much as I could muster up in that moment, I returned to Leia and explained that Naoi understood and was especially concerned about the monster hunters. What is she? Leia asked. And that other thing with the red glowing eyes. Was it some kind of pet or something? I happen to know that aliens always have creepy pets. <sighs> How do you explain to someone like Leia that gods actually exist? That Naoi isn't part of some alien invasion, but here to do everything in her power to protect us from a threat that could make football, fashion, and everything that Leia ever loved disappear? The first thing I told Leia was that Naoi wasn't an alien, that she was actually born here in California, and if she wanted to know more, she could ask her. I told Leia, Naoi wants to talk to you. After lifting the brim of her sun hat and taking another look at Naoi, she said that Naoi would have to keep a distance of at least six feet, and if she tried any of those alien eye tricks, like trying to hypnotize her or something, she'd know. Then, I kid you not, Leia set her phone down beside her and pulled out a tape measure. I was trying so hard not to laugh as I watched her measure six feet and mark that distance and dot the spot with a pink marker. But then, there was something else. A feeling I had at that moment. Something told me to look down between the bleachers, and when I did, I saw something move directly beneath us. A shadow. I guided Naoi to the spot that Leia had picked out, and from her expression, I knew she'd seen the shadow as well. Looked like the other part of her plan was in motion. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw a shadowy hand slowly rising up toward Leia's phone from underneath the bleacher. Honestly, if I hadn't known that it was O, I would have been fully creeped out. The three of us shared an awkward silence, Naoi, Leia, and myself. I got a glimpse of O's hand whipping back into the darkness and looked toward the sound. I saw Officer Dutton breaking up a group of what looked like to be juniors, maybe seniors, talking loudly and laughing, but generally minding their own business. 
After he kicked them off the field, he got back into a black golf cart with what appeared to be a police bar on the cart's roof. It flashed red and blue as he pulled up to the bleachers and stepped out. He was dressed from head to toe in black fatigues, with a tactical flak jacket draped over a perfectly pressed shirt that had school security printed on the front in giant letters. As Officer Dudden walked, he whistled softly, spinning a giant black flashlight in his hand like a police baton. When he saw me and Naui, he immediately stopped whistling, holstered his flashlight, and walked up the bleachers. I noticed O's shadow armor retreating into a dark corner underneath us. Dudden looked at Naui first, then me. It was that, I know you're up to something, even if I haven't seen it, look. Then, the rock-hard expression on his face turned soft the moment he recognized Leia under that hat. He asked her if she was okay, then pointedly looked at both of us again. Leia nodded. She said she was fine. Dutton muttered, uh-huh, under his breath. He obviously wasn't completely satisfied. He stepped off the bleachers, unholstered his flashlight, and flipped it on. I immediately wondered if there was a miniature sun trapped in that metal cylinder. The light was blinding, and he swept it near our feet, then began looking underneath the bleachers. Would that kind of light affect shadow armor? Could O actually be seen? I didn't think he could, but I still had a lot to learn about shadow armor, so I really didn't know. From Naui's expression, she was worrying about the same thing. I've always said that Asha the Seeker was thorough, and I believe that she'd have met her match if she went up against Officer Dutton. In thoroughness, anyway. Dutton searched the area beneath the benches inch by inch, picking up tiny wrappers and other trinkets too small for me to see. He carefully examined each thing and focused most of his attention, surprise, surprise, on the area directly beneath us, as if we were trying to hide something. Hmm. I wasn't sure, but at one point, I thought I saw a sliver of movement a foot or so away from the powerful beam, just beyond its range. Naui quickly stood up and excused herself to go to the bathroom. She'd obviously seen exactly what I'd seen. Leia watched her leave and was like, well, she does go to the bathroom, so maybe she is human. I wondered if Leia thought about following her to make sure, but she just watched from the bleachers until Naui had disappeared. Was that? I saw a brilliant flash a split second before the sound, and the benches shook. Everybody stood up. I even heard somebody say, firecracker. But that wasn't a firecracker. Naui, I thought. It had to be Naui. Dutton ran toward the sound, and Leia grabbed for her phone, but it was gone. And the panic in her expression when she realized it was missing was, well, let's just say, much more intense than any panic caused by the blast. She had to have her phone. Have you seen it? She asked, 
checking her purse and pockets over and over again. Now he must have taken it, she said, looking around. Taken what? Now he was walking up the bleachers at that very moment. Leia stared her down and asked what she'd done with her phone. Now he responded and calmly said she didn't know what she was talking about. Then I suggested that maybe the phone had fallen. I told her I'd help her look. Leia responded with a whatever and we both got down underneath the bleachers. Well, this wasn't going at all as planned. Of course, the whole onk thing didn't go as planned either, so I can't say I was surprised. I'd have to just, you know, go with it, I thought. Adapt. I pulled out my phone, switched on the flashlight function, and began looking. I was a couple of feet away from her when I saw a shadow motion me toward it. I checked to make sure that Leo was focused on the search and joined O. He whispered, here, and gave me Leia's phone. Then everything went dark. I whispered, what are you doing? And O quickly explained that he'd hidden me behind a wall of shadow. Then he said, hurry. Now it was my turn. I'd have to destroy the whole chip to make sure that the video could never be recovered. I quickly typed in Leia's password something I'd noted when she showed me the video the first time. I found the video, deleted it, and using an app I developed, quickly copied the remaining information from her old chip to a fresh one, including what appeared to be another copy of said video. Then I slipped the new chip into her phone and shut it. I did it. Huh. We're good. I whispered, and the darkness quickly lifted. Just as my eyes readjusted to the light, I saw Leia a few feet away, staring me down. She said, hey, where were you? Right here, I said, then handed her her phone. I found it. She typed her password and swiped directly to the video to make sure it was still there. It was or at least it appeared to be, she tapped it and the video played just as before. Satisfied, we returned back to the bleachers where Naoi was waiting. As soon as Leia walked up, Naoi grabbed her and sat her down a few inches away. Leia froze. Naoi took her hand and held it. Feel that, she said, squeezing her fingers gently. Leia stared down at Naoi's hand, then nodded. Human, Naoi said. This is what you need to know. I'm here to protect you and the rest of the planet from a threat that could make all of this go away. And if you show people that video, it'll make my job much harder. That's it. So please don't share this. Leia just stared at her. I wasn't sure if she was in shock in that moment or had truly taken everything in. Then Naoi said, think about it, and we both walked away. Once we'd left the football field and gotten a distance away from the crowds, O joined us and I looked back at Leia. Even from this distance, I could tell that she hadn't moved since Naoi left. 
Poor Leo. O wrapped an arm around me and patted me on the chest. You did good, he said. What I'd done was pull a little sleight of hand. While it was true that I'd deleted the video, I'd also replaced it with an exact copy. Well, it wasn't exactly an exact copy. That version of the video would delete itself within 24 hours or so, and it would show the error 33. Hmm. So even if she decided to share it, the video would simply vanish. Now he smiled and patted me on the back. Then I stopped. The earth shook and inside my chest a bitter cold that was sharper than before. I stumbled and now he grabbed me, asked me if I was okay. I nodded but Oh just stared at me, said, you're feeling it too. We looked at each other. Then he explained that the armor, which was pure energy, could pick up on things sometimes, especially things or energies that messed with the balance of the planet. Of course, that force would have to be very, very powerful. Then Naui asked how long I'd been feeling this, and I just shook my head. She immediately knew that I'd been keeping this from her, and the smile she had instantly disappeared. We didn't keep secrets from each other. <laughs> yeah, I knew she was mad, but we needed to figure out what this force was. My first thought? Seth. Maybe he'd regained his strength. When I brought this up to O, he said he couldn't be sure, but the armor could guide us there. Oh, <laughs> another adventure. Well, I thought, here we go again. That same evening, about midnight, the three of us met up on my roof and took to the air. O had instructed me not to think about a specific direction just allow the armor to take over. So I did. Now he was in the middle, supported by O and myself, and within moments, we were gliding over the ocean. I made sure that the shadow armor usually covering my face was retracted. I'd never seen the ocean like this before, and even though it was really, really dark, I was still able to see the waves slapping lazily in the moonlight. At one point, we began to pick up speed, faster and faster. We were whipping past cities and towns in seconds, and I'd never, ever moved that fast before. Up ahead, a golden red glow lit up the sky, and that could only mean one thing, sunrise. We'd entered a different time zone. Below us was a thick jungle and at ground level, I could see what looked like the, the earth had cracked open like an egg. There was a powerful glow coming from whatever was inside it. We landed several feet away from the fissure, and now he said, awake, going instantly into warrior mode. She held Aja tight and looked around. We were, according to O, right in the middle of the Amazon in Brazil, and 
That break in the earth shouldn't have been there. Well, I thought that was obvious. Then O reminded me as we inched closer to the fissure to make sure that the armor covered my entire face. If we had to go into battle, that was the only guarantee that I'd be fully protected. I nodded but had no intention of doing that, at least at this point. O had worn that shadow armor all his life, but I was still getting used to it. So, I figured I'd be okay. We froze. What in the name of all that was good? What was that? Then the earth shook hard. Now I yelled, over there! A truck hauling giant tree trunks fell into a chasm near a village. There were flames pouring out of it. Now I took off, reaching the truck in less than a blink of an eye. She ripped the driver's side door off, pulled the heavy-set screaming driver out, and cradling him in her arms like an infant, jumped to safe ground just before the truck was swallowed up. But the truck wasn't the only thing being swallowed. The entire village was sinking. Things happened really fast from that point on. I got a glimpse of O pulling several kids out of a fissure just after they'd fallen in. And I remember just as that was happening, flying up to an older man who tried climbing a tree to get away only to find the earth beneath the tree collapsing. When I grabbed him and jumped into the air, I realized that while I could fly, I didn't have super strength. So he dragged me right out of the air, and thankfully O came along and helped me to carry the man to solid ground. Why don't they tell you these things in the comic books? Hmm. Amidst everything, I heard a familiar voice calling to Naui. It was Asha. She'd been saving villagers too. She rushed over to us and asked Naui what she was doing there. Then she saw me and O, and as she was trying to register all of this, something shot out of the chasm. I only saw it for a few seconds. It looked as if it had mounted a, a horse, but no. It wasn't a horse. Truth is, I, I don't know what that thing was, but the being riding it, whatever it was, appeared to be hooded, and it changed form, like from a mist to a light as brilliant as the sun, then it went completely dark. Within a few seconds, it was gone. Oh looked at all of us, and said, what was once unmade is made whole again. The Destroyer has returned. On May 4th, Chaos.